No, I didn't actually attempt. Um, I haven't gotten to that point, I guess. The courage, the strength that it takes to be open and honest about this. Instead of just, you know, blaming myself that he's not here anymore. Uh, I was prepared to shoot myself. And I called my family uh, to sort of say goodbye. To be honest, I was scared reaching out for help because I was like, this could totally ruin my career. Somebody to have a more proactive approach and that he was coming to me <clears throat> to be that person. They found him and he committed suicide. I just started screaming. I just felt responsible. Hello everyone, Timothy Lawson here, host and founder of the One Too Many Veteran Suicide Podcast and Project. It's been a few months since I've released any new material, but I really wanted to think and I really wanted to realize where my heart was in this project and I knew that I wanted to stay involved in the space of veteran suicide and more importantly suicide prevention, but I didn't know... If this was the if this was still the the right outlet, and after some reflection, it is. I I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy letting them get a chance to tell their story. I am going to continue with the podcast, and uh, I may even start incorporating some video. So I look forward to exercising that medium as well to tell these very important stories. Today's story is with Navy veteran Timothy Jones. Timothy was actually on the podcast two years ago, uh, I think episode 17 uh, is when he was, if I'm remembering that right, if my notes are serving me correctly, he originally came on to talk about, back in 2014, he came on to talk about his friend's suicide, a shipmate of his that had, um, that had died by suicide. In that episode, Tim hints at his own struggles and I didn't pry, I didn't really try to like bring it out of him, but over the past two years, being friends with him, I have noticed his growth, his healing, and his desire to share his story, and once that was evident, I invited him right back onto the show to share that part of his story. So, without further ado, Timothy M. Jones. All right, everybody, uh... This week on One Too Many Veteran Suicide, I have my friend Timothy Jones, a Navy veteran and a survivor of military sexual trauma. Tim was, as I mentioned in the intro, he was on the program at the very start. I mean, I'd have to, I'd actually have to double check, but I think you were one of the first ten episodes. Um, and he told, he talked about his uh, his friend that took his life while while they were serving together. Tim, in that episode, you briefly touched on um, your own struggles. You didn't refer to what happened, um, and you didn't admit uh, to experiencing suicidal behavior, but you did admit to struggling and in, in in, in that you were experiencing that. Um, it didn't seem like you were ready to talk about it, so I didn't, um, I didn't pry. But over the past year, you have really, as you would put it, stood on your story and have come forward about what happened to you when you were in the military and the road to recovery that you experienced and where you are now. And 
I felt like it was the right time to invite you back on and that we get a chance to talk more deeply into your story. And I appreciate it, man. And you're right. You're spot on. I was still uh, I was still in the story a little. I was still in the story getting coming out of it and didn't realize it. And you're right. Like every guest, Tim, I'm going to let you be start the story where you think it best begins. Um Remember, uh, you know, the audience isn't too familiar with it since, you know, uh, we got a thumbnail scratch into your, into your feelings the first time. So, um, you know, feel free to provide any context, uh, that you think the audience needs to know as we get into your story. Absolutely, man. Let's, let's dig, let's dig in. So, uh, to everyone out there, you know, Navy veteran and, and like anyone that, um, chooses to serve their country, man, I was excited. I, I told my mom at, at the tender age of 13, I was going to do three things. I, I told her I was going to live in Japan. I told her I was going to encounter some difficulties. And then I told her I was going to be rich. And um, she said, uh, baby, two out of the three ain't bad. And um, when it came time to decide which branch I was going to serve, um, it was a no-brainer because my, my grandfather was a Marine. My aunt served in the Air Force and my uncle uh, served in the Army. So I said I wanted to complete the trifecta and serve in the Navy. Uh, side joke, I didn't really know there was a Coast Guard until recently. <laughs> um, but it was an amazing opportunity, and I called her from Tokyo, and I told her step one had been completed. And uh, But about a month into my duty station, uh, I started getting some phone calls, and uh, the voice on the other end just said I was watching you. And... Um, it kept happening, and then one night I got the phone call that said, uh, I'm watching you right now in the club. And um, that call shook me and spooked me. Uh, I went home, and I lied in my lied down, and, and I woke up to a six-foot-five Marine on top of me. And uh, those next 20 minutes uh, would alter the next uh, 20 years of my life. And uh, I, I never thought I'd be raped. I, I definitely didn't think I was going to be raped by someone who took the oath uh, that we took. And um, and I just remembered uh, coming out of that um, and think and my survivor mode kicked in after a little bit. Like, how am I, how am I going to get out of this? And I, I remember just saying, you know what, stroke his ego. Uh, tell him that you want him. Tell him that you, that you are, it, it's okay. Um, and he believed me. And then it got to a point where I just, uh, I, I'd said uh, I'd been drinking and that I was going to throw up and he let me up and, and that was the break I needed to run up out of there and, and I started beating on my corporal's door uh, and that's where I spent the night and uh, the next day uh, as I, w- I woke up in the fetal position just shook and um, young a young Marine, she said, uh, she said, Jones, you need to report this and um I was deathly scared of reporting that incident because, uh, you know, this is 1999 and the don't ask, don't tell, uh, laws in full effect and, and you're, you are who you hang out with. And I, and I was more concerned with losing my job than I was reporting the incident, uh, until she said, if, if you don't report it, it'll happen again. Um, and so I reported that incident. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't know who he was. At the time, and so I couldn't really do much besides give a description, and so uh, um, that 
created a little firestorm because you're in a you're in a very small base and so uh word traveled quickly that I reported an incident and at first people were concerned but it quickly turned into um name calling, cat calling, um hazing, um uh jokes, um and then I remember being pulled in and them telling me that they found who did it because he ended up raping uh, three, four other individuals, uh, three, three or four, um, that I was number one. And uh, and so I had to testify. And the problem with that was um, the hazing really intensified and uh, I had to suck that in. And when I started going to counseling, uh, for it, uh, they repaired me with a chaplain and the chaplain had basically just would read me a Bible scripture in the first five minutes about, uh, homosexual activity or give me some kind of, uh, example of how bad, what happens if you engage in, in homosexual acts, uh, and then would tell me there, there was only so much I could tell him before he would have to inform my command and then kick me out. Um, and then he'd ask me to, Talk about my day. So, a year of that, you can imagine the kind of work we got done. And, um, but uh, a buddy of mine, the one I, I spoke about about the last time, uh, he pulled me aside and he apologized. And I couldn't figure out why he apologized. And he he said, uh, Tim, uh, I know you're wondering how he got your phone number. Um, and I don't want to let you know that I gave it to him. I didn't know what he was planning on doing, but he, he knew that you were new here and he just wanted to show you around the base and, and I just thought it, he'd be a stand-up guy and, and, uh, and I didn't have a lot of friends and, uh, I, I was so happy I told him that after, you know, that he had nothing to apologize for, that he was not responsible for his actions, um, because after that, that's when he, uh, a short time after that conversation, he committed suicide. So, um, that hurt my heart. That hit me along with the, the rape and then the hazing. And then the, my CEO pulled me inside, uh, in, into his office and he said, uh, uh, Jones, your name has come up twice now in relation to homosexual activity. Uh, one more time and you're out. I don't care what it's for. And so I'm having to suck it up, suck it up. And I'm, I had just lost a friend and, uh, everyone's getting uh, sensitivity training because he's committed suicide and, and um, this has happened to me. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, the, the hazing had got to the point, it got so bad, they had to move me out of my barracks room and they had to move me into uh, NDOC. And, you, and we know that's uh, where you the newbies come uh, onto the base to get kind of used to the scenery because there they didn't know who I was. Um, yeah, it, it was to the point I would walk in the child hall and I mean, uh, the whole child hall would just stop and you could just hear a pin drop and you could hear the whispering and the stairs and, and that's Jones there. Um, I had to complete, I had to eat on the other side of the, of the island just to get some peace because although the people knew me, they didn't, there were no, there were no looks and judgments and, um, it's a very cold feeling to be that isolated. Um, and so eventually I ended up, my name came up a third time. Um, and 
and uh, because the guy individual bringing this up against me was a Marine, his word meant more than mine, um, and ended up getting an honorable discharge. And uh, and from there, that's when I went into the, the wilderness. Um, I didn't want to look like a sailor. I put six piercings in my face. Um, and the only thing to for me to not relive the rape and everything that had to, that came with that uh, was alcohol. And uh, I went head first into a, a sea of alcohol. Um, and then when that didn't work, I started doing drugs um, just so I could get some semblance of peace. Um, and that went into my first suicide attempt um, just because I was just having nightmares. I was just seeing his face. Um, and so my first attempt, uh, um, I ended up, uh, drinking, uh, drinking bleach. And, uh, and I remember having that light bulb moment and I just, uh, when I came out of it, I had to go to the hospital and I ended up calling my mom and I had told my mom that I was in an abusive relationship. Uh, the, the individual had, uh, had, uh, broke some bones of mine. And um, I came back home to, to Graceville, Florida, and um, ended up running into the perpetrator because uh, I enlisted in Clarksville, Tennessee, but this individual was from Alabama, and uh, we were in the same city, and uh, uh, the distance between us is about 45 minutes, so it's very close. Um, and when I ran into that individual, um, Sheer terror went through my, my entire body and um, I did something that and I think a lot of it had to do with the alcohol, but it was I was happy I did it. I, I forgave him in that moment and I was like, you know what? Um, I'm gonna take this all in on myself. I'm not gonna let him win. And that was a, the alcohol talking, but when I got back home man, I hightailed it the hell out of Florida. Uh, Graceville, Florida, and I went to Pensacola where my best friend was stationed at NAS. And um, um, I, I was really bad at that time. Uh, and uh, my second attempt happened when um, I had stopped drinking for a year. And when I stopped drinking, that's when the nightmares really started. Um, the shame kicked in. I couldn't sleep. Um, I, I was just a shell. I, I, I tell people the wilderness because I, it looked like I was in a jungle. That's how my mental state was. And although I looked fine mentally, I was just a shell. I was not here. Um, and the pain got so bad that uh, I remember that I... I was a uh, really bad, bad place, and uh, I had called my pastor, and I had asked that he uh, that he come sit with me because I just wasn't thinking straight, and I didn't know what was wrong. And I'll never forget him saying, uh, "We're at Olive Garden right now, but uh, Tim, if it, if this is a serious situation, just call us back, and uh, I will we'll I'll come to you." And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was his worst in there. I remember them clear as day. Tim, you understand why I'm chuckling. Oh, I know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> uh, 15 minutes after that call, I, I, I drank bleach a second time. Uh, 
Can I? Yeah. Why? Why the bleach? Um, as someone who's attempted suicide before, uh, I'm more comfortable with having these conversations yeah. with people. Uh, you know, uh, Andrew Bryan and I talked about like contemplating the ways that you would commit suicide, and drinking bleach never came up. How did what like what, how did you come to this decision? I want it to hurt. I want I want it to hurt really bad, and I wanted it to be um, painful. Ugh. And did it hurt? It did. And um, what's that feel like? <laughs> and it's got like burn, it, but like it, it. It's the after effects of it, um, and I wanted to, and I did. Uh, it was, and it didn't work the first time, and I was a little bit of a coward. I tell people because I didn't want to do the. Um, I didn't want to do what the, the quick and the, the quick ways to go. I wanted to hurt. And I was in so much pain. Uh, that's why I put piercings on my face because I just, I needed to feel. And that yeah. was the only thing that I could feel that was real. And it mirrored everything in my life. It was relationships hurt. I couldn't be close to, I couldn't, and, I, and I, I'm still learning now to be close to people, and I just needed to feel something. Um, and and also there was a little glimmer that I had hoped that someone would hear me, because no one would hear me or see me. Um, they just saw someone who was okay. They, they couldn't see what was behind the smile, uh, and there was so much pain behind that smile. Um, and that's why, um, the bleach, um, it was really about pain. Um, and, um, and I didn't want to get, well, the fun thing is I didn't get, um, um, when the doctor came in, I left before I could see the doctor because I knew that was going to be, uh, I was going to get Baker acted, man. And I didn't want that to happen. And, um, so I had made some bad decisions after that, and so I had a warrant out for my arrest And uh, after that, and so my life was completely crumbling, and so I ran. That's the only thing I knew how to do that was run, um, and I went down to Central Florida and South Florida, and I, I dove harder into the drugs and the alcohol and, um, and the shame because at this point, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I have just dishonored every single person who's worn a uniform. I have dishonored myself. I've dishonored my family. And I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to die that way because then I would have just destroyed anything uh, that my name had. Uh, so if you don't mind me asking, which substances were you using? Um, I ecstasy, marijuana, cocaine. Uh, I've been on crystal meth. It's, uh, they, and those were it. I didn't go anything harder. It was really weird because as an addict, I was like, man, I don't want to do crack or, or heroin because that's, those are bad drugs. That's something an addict would say. <laughs> and, um, and, but that's what it was. It was that party, that party style. And, uh, and then eventually, uh, an individual had said, uh, the only thing of value that I'll ever do is serve my country. And I didn't do that right. And that pissed me off. And um, and then I, from that, I came back home. I called my mom and said, I need to come back home. Um, they didn't know how bad. They knew the substances were bad because uh, they had to come down there several times. 
and I was skin and bones. And then all of a sudden, uh, as I was coming off of the drugs, that's when the third attempt happened because then it was, what am I doing, man? How am I going to get my life back together? My life is just gone. And uh, I, I made a video and uh, uh, I was ready. And this time I was going to do, I was going to do the do. Um, there was no more pain. I was going to end, end it all. And it was in that decision that when I had the day, man, um, all I can say was a divine intervention because I went out on the back steps of my brother's trailer and as I'm getting ready to do the act of, 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 uh, do the act, I don't want to go too graphic, but uh, I'm just going to do the act. I looked up and I just had a divine moment where I saw God and my life flashed before my eyes. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I'm about to do to my brother what I walked in on in Japan with my friend. And I, I just couldn't do it then. And um, I put the knife down at that point and I prayed. And because um, I, I felt God had abandoned me at that point. And, and when I prayed, I remember asking God to clean my life up. I remember asking him to, uh, I said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's wrong with, wrong with me. I didn't know when they, there was a name for it. But I asked him that if he would, were to clean my life up, man, and, and it belonged to him. And, um, and, and I'm no longer in control. And I surrendered control. And uh, I ended up having to go to jail because I had to atone for my... Uh, legal situation, which was where I was running for, from, and uh, jail was where I ended up meeting a Department of Veteran Affairs lady, uh, her name her name is Kathy Monson, man, and she she saved my life, because uh, she, uh, she was supposed to talk to me for 45 minutes, and we talked for three hours and 45 minutes, and it's the first time someone saw me, and they didn't see me as a number. They didn't see me as a convict. They didn't see me as a drug addict. They saw me. And uh, and I said for the first time in graphic detail of everything I'd gone through. And uh, she said, have you ever heard of PTSD? And uh, and I was like, yeah, man, but that's for, you got to lose an arm or a leg or something. You got to be losing some limbs. Uh, and she said, no, man, it applies to you. Uh, and she said, uh, "You're gonna, we're going to get some help for your legal situation and for your mental health. And, uh, Tim, I'm going to tell you, man, jail is like boot camp. <laughs> I went back there and I was telling every single one of those suckers, man, I got PTSD, <laughs> man, I got PTSD, man, you don't know me. I got PTSD. And those brothers looked at me like, I don't know what he got. <laughs> I don't want to catch it. Leave that brother alone. And, I was like, okay, but I was so happy because there was such a, uh, there was an answer. And um, when I got out, man, uh, she kept her word, and I've been in the VA system ever since. Um, I had a, I have a thyroid issue, man, P PTS, sexual trauma, um, but it took a while for us to start to work through that. Um, but we started working through it, man, and I'm here today, man. I, 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 for all the flack that the VA gets, and, and uh, I will say, 
Uh, I've had my fair share, but my therapy, my recovery, man, they have been my tag team partners every step of the way. Um, I have a team of people, and it's just, I never knew that I could live this this, this way. Uh, with positive individuals around me, uh, I still suffer. I mean, uh, I, I was telling you earlier, man, I don't, I don't check my cabinetry to see if there, I don't check all ten of my cabinets to see if people are there. I check about seven of them about now. <laughs> uh. So, Tim, before, before we move on, let's, you know, let's cover the fourth base, uh, of this story, which is the, your most recent episode. Okay. That was two months ago. Tell us what happened. Um, so I had been, uh, going hard and strong for, for a good while now. Um, and I'd started having panic attacks and, uh, I had did the, uh, I'd done, I did the Telling Pensacola, the, uh, which is, uh, sponsored by the Florida Humanities Council and the Telling Project. And, uh, one of my cast members had said, you know, Tim, right when you don't think you need to be in, in the VA, that's when you need to be in the VA the most. And that was a light bulb. Cause I realized I, the work that I do, man, I hadn't seen, talked to my therapist in a little bit. So I, I, I made an appointment and I went back. Uh, and we, uh, making sure that I'm good to go on my, my therapy and my self care. But I was having, um, more panic attacks. And, um, and it was it's to the point where it, it was noticeable. My my performance had flipped and suffered. Uh, and my roommate, man, I am so happy that I, and this is this is why I don't want to live without a roommate because uh, I can tell them when I'm in a good place of how to recognize the signs. And he recognized the signs on that day. And uh, the best way I can describe it is I was going black. Um, and I was going back into the wilderness and I couldn't climb my way out. I knew what was happening, but I couldn't stop it. And, um, I ended up when he went to work, I had two beers. Um, and from those beers, uh, I, cause I hadn't slept at that point for a few days and I ended up wanting to just go to sleep. And because I hadn't drank, I drank those beers and I did more than I thought I did. And I took some, I, I woke up in a hospital, uh, that had overdosed. And I would have died had it not been for my roommate who had recognized the signs, um, and came home when I wasn't responding to the text. And, uh, when I got to the hospital, I was in, um, kidney failure. Um, and they, they worked very hard to save me and they did. Um, but when I woke up, they were like, you know, you're trying to take your life. And I was like, no, man, I, I just wanted to sleep, you know. But it was an I, I, um, awakening situation for me because I can't have one drink. Uh, I can't have a sip of alcohol. Um, and, and I wasn't treating alcohol the way I was treating the drugs. I, I was getting yeah. a little braggadocious about my sobriety, and I wasn't treating it like I would treat anything else. And um and my therapist said the same thing. She's like, you know, I wanted to drink and I said of uh, I wasn't going to AA meetings and so um that episode was a 
a wake up call that I need to treat my addictions like I treat everything else. Uh, go through the checks and the balances. Um, the, and then I also had to slow down a little bit with the stress of, of school and, and understanding my load, uh, and what I can handle and what I can't handle and being okay with saying no, um, that I can't handle this today and bringing my team in. Um, and that was the lesson that I, I'm, I learned, I'm learning. Um, and, and, you know, for this summer, I'm happy the classes are over because this summer, man, I'm just pouring into me. I'm living life in a very so, sober way and um, and taking the, this on and this lesson to, to help myself and to help others. And um, that was that episode. And the, the best thing about it, Tim, man, before, I didn't want to go to the VA. I was scared. I had a preconceived notion. When I woke up in the hospital, that's the first call I made. And that told me that that I trusted them and that, number one, I made a lot of progress. I have a long way to go, but I am no longer as bad as I once was. I still got, I still got some work, but the ability to know that I trust them to call them, that was a major aha moment for me. Tim, one of the reasons I'm gonna I'm gonna compliment you. I'm gonna sing your praises, Tim. One of the reasons why I find your story so powerful and so important, and one of the, and the biggest reason why, as soon as I knew that you were ready to tell it, that I just I, I brought you onto three of my platforms to do so, <laughs> is because. You, sir, are going to be the champion of this generation coming forward and not only reporting and being um, responsible for uh, experiencing MST, military sexual trauma, but I truly believe that you are going to help remove stigma, that you're going to make people stand on their story like you are, and that more and more people are going to be able to admit and not necessarily be, obviously not be proud of what happened to them, but no longer be ashamed. And that is huge because I feel like we have barely gotten there on, on heterosexual rape, you know, like on, you know, on with women getting raped and to see you come out of the darkness and be like, you know what? It's the, you know, if the men need to do this too, we need to we need to no longer be ashamed of our stories. It's super powerful. It's so important. Man, it's inspiring to to listen to someone talk about a horrendous act being done upon them and to talk about it so objectively is it just tears down so much of the negativity and the bullshit that goes on around it. And, sir, I commend you on you stepping forward, talking about your story, and just in, admitting that it's not, it's still not perfect. Yeah. You've had an episode recently, but you've learned from it, you move forward, and you can continue doing what you're doing. And Timothy Jones, that, sir is really important, and I hope that you continue doing this as long as you 
can a mentally can mentally afford to. Well, that's um, why I love the VA, man. They're they're my tag team partners, my therapy, my my recovery process. Uh, she asked me, uh, she was like, you know, how much are you going to share? And I, she, she was like, you don't have to share everything. And I said, you know, I understand that, but for me and for what I feel the calling on my heart, I have got to be authentic and I've got to share it all. Um, because if I don't, I don't want, I, I got to be the first person to stand up and I got to be the first person to stand up for me, man. And, and I'm looking at those who are not ready to be where I am right now, and they just need that person to help them, to help guide them. Uh, that's what so many people have been for me, and I want to be that for them. Uh, and I told her, so I said, i got to share. But, uh, you know, as my tag team partner, when I'm done and come off that stage, uh, I, I go and I, and I make those calls, and uh, we, we do that self-care. i got to do my checks and my balances. Um, because I can't serve anybody else if I'm not serving me. Um, uh, and I, and that, that's another one of my, my sheroes, Lisa Nichols says to me, said, had said, uh, and, uh, so, uh, I will keep doing the fight as long as that there is a voice that is unheard that needs to be heard. Something that I think the most recent generation has done for us and I can see a little bit, even in your story, even though you served a little bit before my generation did. We had so many veterans, we had so many people, unique individuals, come into the military inspired by patriotism and a duty to serve, right? 9-11 happens, and within those first two or three years after that, people are just enlisting as fast as they can. Yeah. And what ended up happening, Tim, is we had such a diverse and unique set of individuals enter the military, perform at a high level, come out, and not only demand respect for their service, but demand re- respect for who they were as a person. Absolutely. And to demand in, in, in what it's done for society is it's easy to say – oh, I don't like that person because of this. But as soon as you tell them, that, well, that person's a veteran, well, now they have to eat their words, right? Like, that's how society works. Exactly. Oh, wait a minute. And and I think that that has helped, I think, that wave of, no, this, like, you know, men are getting raped in the military. That's happening. Yes. And now that we've gotten this wave of, one, where we've stopped, victim blaming well we were we're making grounds on on stopping the victim blaming and america just inherently respects veterans more and now that has opened the door for transgender veterans to come forward and and be more demanding on the respect that they deserve the don't ask don't tell getting abolished and the uh mst and suicide and and uh, PTSD and everything that used to have such a negative stigma. Now we're like, no, we went through this. You already respect us for what we did before. You have to accept that this is part of our story as well. And I think that that is making so much grounds in society, and it could possibly be one of the biggest contributions that our generation is making to society. I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. Um, uh, your your generation, man, and I, and I say this, 
with so much love, man. Those, my brothers and sisters, you guys helped pave this way for me to get found. Uh, and man, I mean, just think of that, man. You paved the way for me to get found. And so this generation is paving the way for us to find our World War II vets, our Vietnam era veterans, um, and letting them know, man, we have not forgotten. And we can get to a place where you can at least go grocery shopping in peace. You know? Yeah. And, and for those who ha- have been a victim of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, to say, you know what, I'm no longer going to be a victim. I'm going to be a survivor, and I'm going to tell my story. And I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to tell it. I'm going to stand on it. And when we stand on that story, oh, my gosh, man, we change this planet uh, one by one. And that's what has already happened to get us to this point. I could not agree with you more. Um, Tim, you, uh, you, if my count's right, You've had four suicidal attempts. Yes. Suicide attempts. Yes. Um, you are a very self-aware person now, having been through all this, having gotten your therapy, being able to reflect on who you are. I know that you take care of yourself spiritually. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to, you know, the, um, the, num- the suicide that I know you're trying to prevent the most is your own. Yes. Uh, what are you doing for that? What proactive steps are you taking for your mental health and for your suicidal behavior? Man, um, I am, I am pouring into my mentors. I'm pouring into, uh, um, my, I love to meditate, uh, and getting crystal clear on where I am and being completely honest with that. Um, and that's something that we address in my therapy sessions. Um, before it took a long time for me to establish that rapport and trust with my therapist, but we have that established now. So it's not something where I can wait six months. I dive head first in, um, and I take the mindset of I have got to each day when I wake up choose life. I choose life every day that I wake up. And I'm okay if I have a bad day. I used to not be okay with that. I used to be very hard on myself because I couldn't understand why. But if I have a bad day, I am okay with it. And then I'm honest with those around me to say, hey, I'm having a, today's not so good of a day. And, um, and then I do things consciously that alter that. I wasn't doing that enough before. Uh, because I had to, I felt I had to be Superman. But I discovered that the best thing I could do to be Superman is to understand that some days I have kryptonite. And sometimes that comes in different forms. And when, when that happens, to speak up and to address it. Um, so I do, I read a lot of books. I, I'm, I'm on, a, I'm hopping on a plane to, to train with, uh, with Lisa Nichols and, uh, and to learn and do, be- and to, to do breakthroughs, um, breakthroughs on myself, um, so I can help others. And so I do a combination of everything. Uh, I like to run. And I also notice if I don't run like I normally would run, 
I gotta run. And if I'm in pain, if it's because of my back or whatever, I'm gonna walk or I'm gonna swim. And incidentally, Tim, I know how to swim now. <laughs> yes. I can swim. Sailor who joined the Navy who did not know how to swim, I can swim now. Uh, which is great on my back. I, I like being around people. So I'm, I am self-aware to know that I've got to do it and I've got to do it, um, before I'm asked to do it. So I got to keep being proactive. Um, and, uh, so those are some, just a little bit of the things that I do. Meditation, getting active, being involved and being honest with where I am in that day, in that moment. And it's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment situation. Um, and what we're working on now is to, uh, I didn't realize the telling project had helped me break a, uh, break a pattern, but uh, we're working on some, uh, ther- some, some really good therapy things. I don't want to give that away uh, with my therapist, but uh, to continue the healing process. Um, and uh, I'm excited about get- doing the work. And that's the, the most, that's the blessing and it's also the, the toughest part because sometimes the, the hardest work we got to do is the work for ourselves. Um, so yeah. Tim, I, I am, I'm certain that at least one person in the audience has, has experienced something similar to, uh, to your experience. Um, if they resonate with their story and they want to reach out and, and talk to someone who's been there, how can they do that? And, well, you can reach me through my social media platforms on Twitter. Uh, I tweet at Timothy underscore M underscore Jones. LinkedIn, Timothy M. Jones. Facebook me, I am Timothy M. Jones. Uh, yes. Uh, you can Instagram me, same thing as my Twitter, or you can, uh, email me. And I think if you can put a link there, Timothy at TimothyMJones.com. Everything is Timothy M. Jones. Great, and that'll, those uh, those links in his email will be in the show notes at one too many dot com. Tim, man, it has been a pleasure. This is the this is the third iteration of of me telling some aspect of your story, and it's it's been a privilege every step of the way, man. And I, I appreciate the work that you do, man. You are you are saving lives. You are transforming lives. I appreciate you, brother. It's been a it's been a blessing to take this journey with you and uh, to see your growth. I, man, I, I couldn't be more uh, honored to be a part of it. Uh, we're helping others, and we're helping our brothers and sisters, veterans and non-veterans alike. So uh, I applaud you for having the courage to do this, sir. Thank you, sir. Tim is such an amazing person, and I love talking to him every chance that I get. I'm so honored that I got the opportunity to share his story on my platform. I want to thank everybody for listening. I know there's a lot of material out there, and I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen to this show. OneTooManyProject.com, that's O-N-E, the number two, ManyProject.com is the hub for all of this. I'm also in iTunes. If you just search Timothy Lawson, you'll find... Both, not only will you find this podcast, but you'll find a number of other podcasts that I've done. And um, when I'm on other people's platforms, I always bring up this project because this is the one that I think is the most important. If you or someone you know has a story similar to Tim's or just one of suicidal behavior, if you know a veteran that has experienced suicidal behavior or 
or you or someone you know has lost a veteran to suicide and would like to share that story, please contact me, Lawson, at LawsonEntertainment.com, L-A-W-S-O-N. I'd be honored to share your story as well. Along with the suicide hotlines, VA now also offers a confidential chat at VeteransCrisisLine.net, or you can actually enter a text conversation with someone uh, texting to 838-255. So along with the suicide hotline, those are two more resources that we that veterans can use to reach out for help when they need it. Thank you for listening, and be sure to listen in next week uh, for another episode. Mm-hmm.